I, I have uh, very much enjoyed the last two Wednesday nights teaching. Uh, if someone could bring, uh, Dan, can you, can you, okay, here we, here we are. Duffy, thank you. Um, if I was not able to be here last Wednesday night, but I, I did hear um, Scott's two, two Wednesday nights ago. And it's, it's like there's, we've kind of done a, a spontaneous series is what has happened. Scott was speaking about simplicity. Uh, I was able to hear him, him live. And, and my, do you remember, those of you that were here, do you remember how the Spirit just confirmed that at the end? I, I thank God for that. There could be several of his, his points that I could uh, bring up, but I believe that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 just the simplicity of what the word says that he shared about trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. And I think one of the key statements in this is in all thy ways, in all thy ways, not just the ways that we feel are the biggest, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Uh, as I started preparing for this um, week, 10 days ago, I guess it was now, I texted pastor to see, is there any direction that you feel that we need to be teaching? And so he knew that I had heard Scott's, and then he told me what what he was going to to teach. And so when I, um, whenever I landed at pulled away from the airport at one o'clock uh, Monday morning, I guess it was, I, I needed some help staying awake. And so I cracked the windows. It was cold. That helps when you're, when you're driving that late. And I went and started listening to what Pastor and Jeff Hudiger shared last week on perspective. Now, if you did not hear what Scott shared on simplicity the week before last, or what Pastor and Jeff Hudiger uh, shared on perspective, you really need to listen to those. To those, those were strong words. Both, both of those weeks, when um, when Jeff was talking about the focus of this is the day the Lord hath made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. I cannot tell you what a change it will make in your life. If you get up in the morning quoting that scripture, it's, it's powerful. Um, then whenever he started speaking about where he was at that point, whenever he was just a, do you remember his key word? A realist. I'm just a realist. Absolutely. But to see where he was, and to see where he is today. It's different worlds. Where he went, and if I'm putting words in your mouth, Jeff, then you can, you can yell out there and, and correct me. But from what I gathered, um, he was dealing with being despondent a lot. I think he even used the word depressed. And you see that him being that way as a quote-unquote realist 
to where he is today. He's a very God-confident man and, and a leader. Pastor dealt with a couple of points um, when he spoke about it's one thing to know what is, but we don't know what we were saved from. Then when he was dealing with, in this perspective, this God perspective, he was dealing with the church is predestined. Individuals are not. Now, that's a very very strong topic that we need to dig into and we need to do personal study on because that's that's a doctrine that many do not believe and that's a very important one when when he uh was dealing with how how god does not live in our time he's he knows the end from the beginning he's He's the time as we know it, that is not how God understands time. And when he used the example about Judas, remember when he talked about Judas? It was like, yes, it it was a fact that he had to be betrayed. But Judas didn't have to do it. He didn't have to do it. And so when when I think about what was shared with the simplicity and the perspective, I felt led to deal with imitation. So week before last, the key word was simplicity. The, uh, the key word last week was perspective. And I want to deal with imitation. The fact is, when we're, when we're, when we're talking about King Jesus... King Jesus is the one to be imitated. He he is the one. We'll get deeper into this. But when we're thinking about imitation, we realize that more is caught than taught. There is a power in imitation, and we see this in our children. We know this can be good and this can be bad. How many times have you looked at your children and you've seen yourself through them? And you've thought, oh, no. I told, I told the story a, a few weeks ago whenever I, was, whenever I was teaching, but the same story fits here again. Braden was about five years old. We were walking to the car. He had a blanket in his hand, some other things. He was really overloaded. He was trying to carry too much stuff to the car. He got to the door and couldn't get the door open. He, he got mad. He finally got the door open. I'm walking up behind him, and he slams the door and yells a slang word. Not a cuss word like Jeff was talking about last week, but that was, and that was, so, that was extremely funny because then pastor came back, remember, and said, you are speaking figuratively, right? I was so... Braden yells this slang word, and I started to say something, and I couldn't because I knew where he learned it. I, I knew what I saw right there, him getting mad and him slamming that car door. I didn't have to. Where did you learn that? I, I didn't have to. I didn't have to ask where he I knew where he learned it. He had seen me do it. 
imitation. A, f- a few years ago, uh, and I don't know if he's still doing it or not, but has anybody seen Graylin and his microphone? Anybody seen that? I mean, it's like, a, it's just, it's just great. And I would, I would, sometimes I'd catch myself over there, especially when he was even a little smaller, just, just watching him because it was, it was just absolutely amazing. And what was it? Imitation. Imitation. A few, uh, I was here a couple of Sundays or maybe it was a, that Wednesday night service that we had, whatever. And, uh, and Haley McLeod walks up over here and Finn, how old is Finn? Three. Finn walks over, and we start worshiping, and man, Finn was owning that side of the thing. He, it, was, you know, it wasn't like he was just you know, clapping or whatever. Oh, no, uh-uh, no, it was three years old. I mean, it was, it was back and forth, and I was looking at that, and I was like, oh, he's seen, he's seen that happen. Has anybody ever forwarded any clips to you of people doing funny things and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're not that good? Well, my brother, one of my brothers, I will not uh, air out which one, I have three. And he sent me this clip. And so I turned it on and it's this little boy, cute as he could be. I mean, just as He's cute, and he's just explaining something, and he's explaining it so so well, and and then just just like a uh, you know an an older guy just uses a major cuss word, and just and he used it in context. Okay, it, I mean, and you could tell it wasn't like okay, this kid heard this from somewhere and just remembered it and oh no 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 this little kid had it down and you could tell that the little kid was just imitating what what he had had been around because it just really flowed well with him he had that word down it was it was uh something else the bible talks about except we become as little children and we understand that imitation is a part of a child's core development. It, it was for me. I'm sure it was for you. I would like to think that just at my birth, I had a desire to be in the church, to help, to work in the church, to be involved. It, it wasn't that. It was imitation. That was what my parents did. That that was that was what they were doing that was their life and i started imitating that and of course at some point then you know it becomes real for for you at the top of your handout the scripture that that i would like to just kind of use to tie in this this point of imitation is matthew 4:19 and he saith unto them follow me and i will make you fishers of men I would like to say it like this, follow me and imitate me. Follow me, learn to do what I do. And I want to just kind of deal with this real-life imitation of Jesus Christ. I think we have to deal with this in, in three ways, or at least three ways that I would like to bring to your attention. The first one, we have to understand first about uh, positionally. 
Jesus positionally. We have, we have to get him positioned right, see where he is, and then we will be able to align our lives in these areas. First, we're talking about him being the king. And when we get Jesus placed where he needs to be, and again, Christmas, uh, Christmas, in my opinion, represents a lot of Christianity because people are much more comfortable with Jesus in a manger than on a throne. Uh, we're, we're real happy with cuddly Jesus, little Jesus, put Jesus where you want Jesus to go, burp Jesus, change Jesus' diaper, little cute Jesus. Well, that's, that's a world of difference in our perspective than Jesus in a manger and Jesus on a throne. And Jesus wants to be more than just cute in our life. He's, he's the king. We see this in Revelation nineteen sixteen. Now, there are so many scriptures uh, references that all, you have just the scripture reference. I will read those. Revelation nineteen sixteen, And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, when we're thinking about king, and I, I don't want to offend anybody that's into the royals. Uh, you know, really, I don't. I'm not trying to come in the other way. There's a lot of people that are really into the royals. That's fine. No problem. But I'm not talking about a King Charles thing to where you can you have access to a crown, you have access to palaces and homes and, and amazing travel and even ornate carriages if you would choose that, but you have no power. King Charles has no no power. He does good things, but but he doesn't really have power because in the UK, it's a constitutional monarchy, and the ability to make and pass legislation belongs to Parliament. It doesn't belong to, to King Charles. So we have King Charles that looks like a king and can enjoy all that, but he has no power. We're not, we're not talking about King Charles King. We're talking about King Jesus, who has all power, who has all authority. And then, of course, we then have to remind ourselves, but in his sovereignty, he gives man choice. One of the most powerful things on earth is the power of will. Power of will. When we look at a king um, and the authority we, we should then bring it into our own world, and we need to ask ourselves, of the authority that we have, how are we using it? How are we using our authority? There, um, it's good to have authority, but authority should not be flaunted. Authority should not be rubbed in people's faces. Um, we look, we look at, at Jesus, well, a, a concern that I have is like when people are always referring to their authority. Listen to me, I am your teacher. Listen to me, I am your boss. Listen to me, I am your superintendent. Listen to me, I am your manager. Listen to me, I am, uh, you're this. Listen to me, I am your that. It's like, no, whoa, 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 whoa stop. Um, if you have to keep telling people who you are, 
do you do you do you really have influence? I mean, are are you really making a difference in somebody's life if we have to just keep throwing out the authority that we have? So, how did Jesus use his his authority? Uh, it was it was very interesting at his arrest in Matthew twenty six fifty three. He said, "Thinkest thou that I can cannot now pray to my Father, and He shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels?" I mean, literally, he he could have spoke the word and absolutely removed all opposition, but but he didn't because he knew when to use his authority, how to use his authority, and and when even the times you could but you don't. I would say, whatever authority you have, refer to it sparingly. There, there may be some times you have to, to, you know, use that because Jesus used it at times. But good advice is this. If a BB will take care of the situation don't use a cruise missile. Does that make sense? How, 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 much, how much force or how much authority should we use? Well, we, we need to use the, the right amount at the right time. So in your notes, manage authority carefully. How, how, how do I imitate Jesus positionally as the king, I, I manage my authority carefully. Then when we look at another position that, that Jesus took, he was a teacher uh, in Matthew 7, 28, 29, it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. And here's the reason why. He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. He taught with clarity and power. Now, I believe that to a degree, clarity is power. Clarity gives power. You you make it clear what someone is supposed to do, they will feel the power to do it. Vague is bad. It's bad. Vague is bad. And so when you look at Jesus, Jesus spoke clearly. He broke it down in a, in a manner. And here's one thing that when I look at the teaching of Jesus that just stands out to me, and it's this. Uh, he broke it down without stealing people's dignity. When Jesus taught, it wasn't like some people I've heard that it's almost like they enjoy it if they're talking and nobody's getting it because it, it just makes them feel superior. It's like, what good is that? Is, is this making sense? So when, when we see this, he, he broke it down. He did not tear people down in his teaching. He built them up. He was approachable and interactive approachable and, and interactive. He was a teacher. Much more could be said about that, but we don't have time. In your notes, do we teach to impress or impact? 
Do we teach to impress or impact? And I'm, I'm talking any time we're in a teaching situation, and that can be, that's obviously not always behind, you, you know, a pulpit, a lectern, a, a lectern uh, or it's, there's a lot of times, there's a lot of times when it's just casual, but there can be teaching moments. How, how do we do that? Is it, is it more important when we walk away that people say we're good or he's good? What's more important? Is it more important for people to be saying, oh man, that guy's good. Or is it more important for somebody to be able to say, now I understand him a little better. Now I can, now I can take a step. So we, we see him as a king. We see him positionally as a teacher. And then we also see him positionally as a servant. Matthew twenty twenty eight is a scripture I use a lot in preaching and teaching. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. This, this shows us how the sovereign king teacher approached life, how he operated. He, he served. He was not too, too uh, mighty to stoop low. Even in that story that, that many of us will think of when we think about Jesus as a servant, we think about him washing their feet. And, and in that room, there should have been one Lord and 12 servants, but there wasn't. There were 12 lords and one servant. And so when, when we look at this, even when we look at that story, when Jesus was doing it, Jesus was not saying, hey, every one of you should have been doing this. What's your deal? He, he didn't draw attention at that point in, in that manner. He just did what needed to be done. And then at the end, he said, now you've seen what I did. Now you go do it. You, you didn't do it to me, but will you, will you go do it to someone else? Because that was, that was how he operated. So in your notes, are we big enough to become small enough to be used by God? Are we big enough to become small enough to be used by God? I sure don't have time to go down this road far, but can we just quit trying to be a big deal? I mean, can, can we, you know, I hear things like, he walks in and he owns the room. Great. He can, he can command a crowd. And? Is this, make, is this making sense at all? Why in the world do we feel like we have to be a big deal? What, what, it's that human nature. Fight it. Fight the human nature emotions with with his. I know this is deep water. I get it. I also realize that we, we're all made up different. I get that. I do. There are, uh, the, the first point I'm going to make here is weeping. What made him weep? What made him cry? 
we see in John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept, the shortest verse in the Bible. Well, when it's said of that, this, this was around the time of Lazarus. He saw other people weeping. He groaned in the spirit, and he was troubled. We, we see that. In Luke 19, 41, and when he was come near, he beheld the city, and he wept over it. Jesus wept multiple times. As a matter of fact, this is not in your notes. You can write the Scripture references down if you care to. In Romans 12, we are instructed to weep with those that weep. Also to rejoice with those that rejoice. And some people can weep with people a whole lot easier than they can rejoice with people, especially when somebody gets something that we've been praying for and we hadn't gotten. It's, that, that's a real test right there in Romans 12. Hebrews 5 and 7 speaks of Jesus weeping in prayer. So in your notes, Jesus wept over the plight of man due to physical death, spiritual lostness, and impending judgment. Jesus wept over the plight of man due to physical death, spiritual lostness, and impending judgment. Now, when, when we look at that, if we're seeking to align ourselves with the emotions of Jesus, if we're seeking to imitate him, then these, these would be some areas that, that would bring tears to our eyes. Now, I know some, some people cry easier than others. I, I get that. I'm not making fun of that. I've, I need to cry more than, than I do, honestly. Uh, and didn't intend to say this, but maybe it'll help somebody. Uh, my emotions changed drastically at 19 when my dad died. Drastically. I mean, it was like something inside of me just shut off and shut down. Then it started coming you know, alive pretty good. It was getting better, and then my father-in-law died. And so I totally get it that, that there can be situations, there can be emotional things that you go through that, that changes you, that throws you all around the spectrum. So I'm not, I'm not up here trying to judge people's weeping. There's not a weeping meter that we're trying to put on people. But the fact is we do need to see what caused Jesus to weep. As we seek to imitate him more than just how to heal somebody. It's, it's real life imitation of Jesus Christ. Well, then we get to the next one, and it's a big one, especially we uh, men need to tune in here, and that's anger. This is a big one. Jesus Jesus stayed angry at the scribes, Pharisees, and, and, he, and he said, why? Hypocrites. Hypocrites angered Jesus. He was angered at, at them. Now, when we're thinking hypocrites, please, please do a study of hypocrites and hypocrisy in the Word of God. It may surprise you. Because we, I have heard many people in churches 
Somebody will do something wrong. Somebody will slip up. Somebody, and they'll throw the hypocrite label on them. Not so fast. Not, not so fast at all. When, when you're talking about that word, and that's a very heavy word to throw on somebody, this is speaking about intentionality. I mean, Jesus leveled these guys because they were putting burdens on people and weights on people, and, te- and they had no intention of doing it at all. And so that's, that's where that comes in. In Matthew 21, 12 through 13, And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple. He overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, and ye have made it a den of thieves. And so Jesus restored it to a house of prayer. In your notes, Jesus was angered by his house being cheapened and prayerless. Cheapened and prayerless. People, see, the law was you come to the temple, you bring your sacrifice. You bring your sacrifice. Well, some people decided that it'd be a lot easier, and then some people also decided, you know what? We could just sell sacrifices here at the temple, and people could just, it'd just be easier. It'll be easier on them. They can just bring money and buy a dove. They can just bring money and buy whatever. And so they literally took the worship system that, that God had laid out, and they flipped it around for their personal benefit. We must be careful. I have known people that the only reason that they were really even a part of the church was because of their business contacts. I've known that. I've, I've known of people, that it wasn't for their business contacts or it wasn't for what they were getting back. They wouldn't have even fooled with church. This, this is the kind of thing that this is what got Jesus angry, these, these things. So the question becomes, so what angers me? What angers me? Uh, what angers you? Like, is it... What angers us, is it even anywhere in the realm of eternal? Or is it all temporal? When we're talking about imitation, when we're talking about imitating him, and we've gone positionally, and and now we're talking emotionally, then then it's, it's a major thing. How about the word fulfillment? It's a key word in our life. Because uh, when, when, you are, when we are not operating in an area to where we're feeling fulfilled, then it can cause a lot of confusion in our life. We see in John 4, 34, Jesus saith unto them, it, this was after he had, he had ministered to the woman at the well, and they came back to him with food. And he saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And so in your notes, Jesus found fulfillment in doing the will of God. How fulfilled are we? You know, a sad, a sad thing is that people can be faithful 
to the house of God and unfulfilled. People can hear. How many of you remember uh, years ago when you'd get these attendance pins and then every year you get a bar? You, you remember that? Come on, come on. I know it's probably, probably, is this it? Just us? Is there anybody else that remembers that stuff? Okay, okay. All right, Duffy came alive there. Uh, I remember one woman in the church. She was proud. I'm talking, hers was long, long, long. And every year, it was just a little old thing. I mean, and so, I mean, she really, she had years of perfect attendance at church. People can attend faithfully and be unfulfilled. We can hear sermons and lessons and be unfulfilled. What's the key to fulfillment? Doing the will of God. Doing that. And then we really step off in, into a big one that challenges every one of us, and that is forgiving. Um, Matthew six fourteen through 15, we're talking about emotionally. We're talking about the imitation of Jesus Christ emotionally and how he went about it. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's huge. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Okay, that's strong. Then we go to Luke 23, 33, and 34. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left, then said Jesus... Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. In your notes, Jesus forgave those who inflicted pain while they were actively inflicting it. Stephen. Stephen learned well, didn't he? He did the same thing while they were killing him. And so continuing in your notes, forgiveness is a key to emotional wellness and must be given to be gotten. This is heavy. This is, this is absolutely heavy. I have heard other preachers say this. You have to have help being crucified. Jesus couldn't crucify himself. So he had to have the help of people to crucify him. This is heavy. Literally, there is no way to get it any clearer than this. If we will not forgive others, he will not forgive us. Now, before we uh, play the role of the executioner or crucifier in other people's lives. Where somebody's got to crucify you, it might as well be me because I think you deserve it. But before we go into that, let's remember Matthew 18 and 7. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. 
There's going to be offenses in the world, but woe to the man by whom the offense comes. So if somebody has to be crucified, then let's not be the one doing it. Is this making sense? See, I have a hard, I have a hard time with, with people who intentionally, I have, I have known leaders that, that intentionally put people in horrible situations to, so they could be tested. And I'm, I'm like, life will test you. I mean, when we, when we look at Scripture and we start saying, our life must be aligned to Scripture, and we start operating in Scripture, we're going to be tested. You, I mean, you, you want to be tested? Just, just live. You want to take testing to another level? Get married. You want to take it to another level? Have a kid. You want to take it to another one? Have another one. Life. Life. I just don't think that we focus enough on learning how to forgive. I really don't. Because the ability to forgive is going to be the difference maker in, in our lives. And the fact is that with this many people in this room, there are people that, that's hearing me right now who your life is locked on a lower level because of your inability to forgive. It locks us down. It absolutely locks us down. Forgiveness is not being a doormat to be walked on. Because we can forgive and we can still protect ourselves. We can forgive and we can speak the truth in love. This is what this looks like. I forgive you, but in love I'm telling you, you're not doing that to me again. I forgive you, but I'm telling you, I'm not your doormat. Is this making sense? Okay. And see, there's even a level of forgiveness for people that are still fighting things that people did that the people are dead. And this has to be embraced because, as I said, I think I was preaching here. This may have been the last uh, message that I preached here on Sunday morning. It just flashes back to me right now when I said there are, there are literal chains coming from graves that are still around people's necks. And we've got to learn how to biblically cut the chains with the help of God. So forgiveness, biblical forgiveness, focuses more on spiritual victory than fleshly vindication. Spiritual victory over fleshly vindication. If you're a vindictive person, you are inviting misery into your life. You don't have to live vindictive. 
you, you, it's, it's a horrible way to live. It's a horrible way to live, living for the day that somebody experiences in their life what they have caused in yours. It's a low, it's low-level living. And a final word regarding emotion. Don't stoop so low to use emotion to get your way. Don't do it. We live in a, in a huge showbiz world. And actors make big money. And the more they can manipulate their emotion, the more money they can get. And what we have to understand is it's called getting in character. And that's great for the stage, but that's sorry in life. And whenever, when you're dealing with people that can turn the tears on and turn them off, and then when you're dealing with people who can cry and there are no tears, it's like, okay, whoa, we're missing something. You, you know, do we, here, do you need, do we need to, you probably need to carry a squirt gun with you and pull it out every now and then and add to that what you're trying to work up. I'm not, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be crass or anything like that. But this emotional business is nuts whenever someone is using it to get their way. That's what babies do. And some people never grow out of it. And so when we look to align our life with, with Jesus Christ, when we look to imitate him, it's okay. In those positions, this is what we will do. And then also emotionally, this is what we will do. And so now let's, let's close with the, the third one, and that is relationally. Relationally. How do we see ourselves? Do we love others like ourselves? That's that it that was the that is what Jesus said that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, do we go the extra mile? That's that's another Jesus did. And so who who are we trying to align our life with? Now, Luke 6 is absolutely loaded with relational insight. If it's been a while since you've if you're interested in this, Luke 6 would be a good, would be a good uh, chapter. But I'd like to just, just use Luke 6.31. It's printed out in your notes as an umbrella scripture over all these relational issues we'll talk about. Luke 6.31. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Can we even fathom what that one verse would do to change our world? One verse. One verse. Do you want people to cut you off in traffic? No. Okay, well, don't cut them off. Uh, Do you want people to leave their shopping cart at Kroger in the middle of a parking place? No. Well, so let's put our shopping carts up. Is this making sense? I mean, it's kind of real life stuff, right? Do, you, do we want somebody to cut in front of us and uh, going into a door? No. 
So do, do we want everybody to frown at us? No. Do, do we want everybody to be short with us, make us feel stupid? No. Do, do we want everybody to, to you know, have no patience whatsoever and ignore us? No. Do you realize how long we could go on this train of thought right here? And I haven't even got inside our house. So, sir, show your wife how you want her to talk to you by how you talk to her. So, ma'am, show your husband how you want him to treat you by how you treat him. So, child, so, 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 so. This goes all up. This one verse would change our world. Change it. Do you want somebody to give you the benefit of the doubt? Give them the benefit of the doubt. Do you, uh, do you want somebody to judge you quickly? No. Well, let's not judge people quickly. So here's how, when we start bringing this now, this imitation into the life of Jesus Christ and how it would connect, we consider how Jesus operated in and as a, number one, a family member. So we see this in Matthew 12, 46 through 50, and there's a lot of people that don't like this, this, these verses at all. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto them that told him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren... For whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, the same as my mother and sister and my brother and sister and mother. In your notes, many don't like this. Jesus exampled how doing the will of God is more important than human family. We don't like that. This is, this is one of those hard facts. I'm not saying ignore your family. I'm not saying that. No, no we're supposed to take care of our family. But, but here's where we are. Many people have family members on the throne and not Jesus. That's right. There are, there are men that have their wife on their throne. There are wives that have their husband on the, the throne. There are parents that they don't have either one of them on the throne, the kids are on the throne. And then the kids are on the throne for a while till the grandkids come, then the kids get kicked off the, the throne, and the grandkids get put on, on the throne. It's human. It's human relationship. We're worshiping people. We elevate people above the king. And Jesus was saying, let's get this right. Let's get this laid out here right. Well, then when we look at the friend part, uh, in your notes it says John 15, 13 through 17. We're just, we're just going to, uh, I messed up on that. It's just 13 and 14. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends. What? If, small word, huge impact. If ye do whatsoever, I command you. So I ask a question with this in your notes. Are our friends pursuing biblical obedience? 
I'm not speaking of acquaintances. Don't, don't misread this. I'm not speaking of acquaintances. We need to work on doubling and tripling our acquaintances. We, we need to do that. I'm speaking of true friends. True friends. Because it, I'm not going to lay down my life for somebody who is not pursuing When we look at a scripture, let's really look at a scripture. Then, then we, we go into being an employee, Luke 16 and 12. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? And so it's like if we're getting paid to work 20 hours a week, if we're getting paid to, we, to work 30 or 40, or 50, what, whatever it, it is, then we need to be giving what we're getting paid for. And then we need to do a little extra. We, we need to be honest about this. Taking somebody's money and just looking for ways to kind of slough off, or if we get over here, I can kind of hide for five minutes or ten minutes or thirty minutes, or I could, you know, take an hour of the company's money uh, here and really not not do anything. That's wrong. It's it's absolutely wrong. And so it's how how are we going to treat another man's business, someone else's business? How are we going to treat that? Well, then, then we will know. We, then we're, we're positioning ourselves to be able to be blessed, to be able to be trusted. So we value other people's time as an employee. We're open for challenge and change as an employee. You said, not me. They better not fool with me. Well, stay on a low level. You know, you know enjoy being the bottom feeder. When we start talking about the Word of God and we start bringing it into our everyday life, listen, I like what my friend Jerry Dean says about the Word of God. It provides a redemptive lift. That's what the principles of the Word of God does. This is not just, hey, let's just check in here or whatever. When we're, when we're looking at what Jesus said and, and we're aligning our life to live like he lived, listen, you're not going to stay on a low level. Your life will change, and it will change drastically. So in your notes, moving quickly, three minutes left, we must treat their business as ours. That's right. We must treat their business as ours. Absolutely. And then there's advice for the employer. It's more than the bottom line. Employees are real people with real lives. Last, last week, uh, when Pastor and Jeff were talking, Pastor made mention about are you a thermometer or a thermostat? We need to be thermostats. I mean... If, if we're in a, a leader role, if we're a manager, a general manager, an owner, we, we, need, we need to set the tone. My father-in-law owned a Ford dealership. And, and the, 
back in the days whenever he owned one, um, they were in the days before the internet. So that was definitely a business that you could rip people off. I mean, they then they couldn't, you know, now when we go to, you know, I've, we bought a, a, another car a few months ago. Well, I mean, my goodness, you can go to the Internet. You can see the range what, about what the cost should be. Uh, you can check VIN numbers. You can go back. Has this car ever been wrecked? I mean, okay, I'm not, it was before those days. And he literally had the reputation. It's like Alexandria had a big Ford dealership, and then 15 miles down the road was a little ca- a town called LeCount. Louisiana, and that's where he had his little country dealership, and he won all kinds of awards. The man won all kinds of awards because he was known for honesty. He was known for integrity. I, I saw my father-in-law take financial hits to, to keep his name right and, and to keep himself above anybody being able to think that, that he was, was shady. Well, bring this into to the Bible. Okay. Luke 7, 2, and 3. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that, that he would come and heal his servant. In your notes, true concern goes beyond the job site. Sure, you're not just concerned... If you're a manager, general manager, owner, you're, you're not just concerned about, did they clock in? Did they clock in on time? Did they? No, 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 no. I, when, if, if we're going to imitate, it's not like we can't live everybody's life, but we can definitely have concern that goes beyond the job site. Let's deal with, with sinners. Matthew nine thirteen. Jesus said, But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Luke 19 and 10, in relation to Zacchaeus, who was a huge sinner, ripping people off like crazy. Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So when we look at this, we realize Jesus was relationally risky. He was risky. So I would just say to my brothers and sisters, if you walk in to a restaurant here and you look over and you see another brother or sister sitting there and there are two beer bottles on the uh, table, don't assume that your brother or sister is drinking beer. If, if you go into a restaurant and you look over and they're, you know, they're sitting with, with somebody and there's, and there's wine bottles there, uh, don't assume your brother and sister is uh, drinking wine. Is this making sense at all? Melly and I in Alexandria, I mean, there we were and we were involved in, in uh, a church and a, a, there was a lot of Pentecostals a part of that church. And she was in college and... Uh, and did did great on a, a summer program getting a master's in rhetoric and she met these people from the east coast and they were just in intrigued by her and the story and so we all sat together and um 
we, we connected. We, we were going to take them out for seafood because they were up on the East Coast. We were going to take them for some good seafood. And so we go in, and I'm paying for it, and they take their order, and they order their food and beer. And so what, what was I supposed to do? I bought their beer. Yeah, I bought, I bought their beer. And, and there was, a, there was a, a lot of it. And, and, if, and if people walked in, it looked, like, it, it looked like we were drinking. We, we, we were not drinking. But it looked like we were drinking. Jesus was relationally risky. Are we, are we going to align with, with Jesus? And, and are we going to, you know, get out a little bit, connect with some people? There's, there's a lot of people that, that need to connect with, with people who know Jesus. But it's, it's just not going, to, uh, it's not going to fit in our clean little boxes. It's not. It's just, it's not going to be. We're, we're going to have to get out there and do some mixing and not judge one another. Now, we're not going to put young kids in situations. But my goodness, can't we handle a little something? Well, what if they cuss? Well, try not to say it. Well, what if they make an off-color statement? They will. Well, what, what if they push things and, and say vulgar things? They will. They will. It's no telling what Jesus heard. I mean, they literally said of Jesus, he was a friend of sinners. And so when we're, when we're talking about simplicity and perspective and imitation. Let's dig into this. Let's dig into this. Let's apply ourselves. Let's push ourselves. Uh, Intentionally get in an uncomfortable place in the next few days. Connect with somebody that pushes you a little bit. Let's Let's be salt and light. It's going to be okay. You know, it, and let's give each other the benefit of the doubt. Let's study the life of Jesus. And I promise you, as we, as you, as, as we start doing this, you're talking about a changed life. The principles, the way Jesus lived, what he taught... When we really take it and we say, okay, now what does this mean right here, right now? How can I do this now? It's, you, you just get to breathe different air. There's just a higher level to live on. We don't have to be bottom feeders. We, we can literally, through his help, make a difference in people's lives. And it starts with those inside our own house. We don't have to live. It's just 
not God's intention for us to be emotionally pulled to pieces, piece by piece, in our own homes when we've all been born again. Something's wrong. Let's get this thing right. Amen? Amen. Can we stand together? Can we ask God to help us and to, and to give us the insight that, that we need? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how clearly you have spoken to us. And I pray that we will go forth and, and we will seek to operate the way you operated, and we will seek to be salt and light. Let it be done. In your name we pray. And can the church say amen?